Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week, we want to be able to bring information, concepts, strategies that transform your life and help you to live on purpose. And today is really no exception. I am so excited for our guest today because he's going to be talking about health. And if we think about health, especially in North America, but really in the developed world, it really isn't at the level that we need it to be. And so I want you to stay tuned and listen and and hopefully by the end of it, you will have specific things you can do to lose the weight that you want to, as well as be able to take strategies to improve your overall health. My guest today is Jay Nixon. He is the author of The Overweight Mind. We'll get into that in a little bit. Jay, thank you for joining us on this show. Thanks for having me, Dr. Keyes. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, Jay, you know, before we get into the, the book and just how that came to be, What's Jay's journey? How, how did you come to be this fitness guru and nutritional sort of expert and wellness ex- expert to Fortune 1000 companies? How did you come to kind of get into this space? Absolutely. I, I remember just even as a young, young child, I've always been kind of obsessed, if you will, with fitness and nutrition and the human body itself. And I remember I grew up in a tiny little town in Texas, and we would have to drive about an hour to go to, like, you know, a big city that had a mall and, you know, big stores and things of that nature. And my mom would would go to the mall, and I'd say, hey, Mom, I'm going to go in GNC. And I was probably, like, you know, seven, eight years old, and I would just go in the store, and I would read labels, and I would read magazines. And, you know, as a young kid, I would just found myself fascinated with, like, nutritional supplementation and foods and things of that nature. And it kind of just transitioned through like my years playing sports and I became a personal trainer when I was I think 18 or 19 years old and not really because I thought I would be a a trainer when I was you know 43 but because I was just so enthralled with new information about the human body and fitness and nutrition for my own personal you know self that you know I figured anything I can learn to better myself that's what I'm going to do and you know, as we, as you, you know, you kind of move into your adulthood, you realize that if, if you can start doing something you're super passionate about, then you really never have to work a day in your life. And I can translate all of the things that I've learned from that young age to, to now and helping people. And that's really kind of how I got to where I, where I am today is just a burning desire for my own knowledge, craving and things like that. And I love teaching and coaching and helping others transform their lives. Well, thank you for that, Jay. And uh, you know, I don't think I've ever had a guest who at eight years old is looking at the GNC labels. Yeah. I was You're the first. Project. Yeah, I would really go into stores. <laughs> and I remember as a young kid, like, I, you know, you don't, you don't have a lot of money when you're like a 12-year-old kid, but I would, I would save my money. And then, you know, any time that I got to go to this mall, I would go and I would buy protein powders and I would buy vitamins. And I would, buy, as, a, as a young kid, I would buy these things because I was so fascinated with, you know, you know, just little things like, you know, taking extra vitamin C as a, a young kid. I was always reading and educating and just, you know, really, I don't know, obsessed is about the best word I can think of to, to come up with it. 
Well, clearly you have a passion about it. And for my international guests who don't necessarily know what GNC is, it is a retail chain that has supplements and natural vitamins, et cetera, that they make available to individuals. So as uh, you might have a store but a different name in the country that you're listening in. So, Jay, you, you started your own personal sort of training uh, offering when you were 18 and 19, and then where did you journey from there? How did that progress? Yeah, I got into, um, I kind of got into the, the nutritional world, so I started working for one of the largest nutritional manufacturers in the country, so it was Optimum Nutrition and American Bodybuilding, so, you know, selling proteins and vitamins and creatines and things of that nature, and that was kind of my first soiree into the world, if you will, of, of you know, high-level fitness and the nutritional supplement world and things of that nature. And as a kid, that was really interesting because, you know, it was big muscles and, you know, people lifting heavy weights and things of that nature. But then as I, as I transitioned and, and got older, I got more into the longevity aspect of health and nutrition of not necessarily the, you know, the giant biceps and, the, you know, the heavy squats and things of that nature, but how can I help people use fitness and nutrition as a, as a way to live a better life and to live a longer, healthier life? Mm. And if you think about it, Jay, you know, because we do health coaching as well, is just how unfit, unwell, uh, certainly in the North American, but also Australia, in the UK, Mexico, uh, Canada, the US, how unfit we are. You know, the need for what you're teaching has never been higher. So how did we, how did we get here? And, and for those of you that are listening, I mean, we're transitioning from okay, you're, we're not talking about bodybuilding. We're talking about quality of life as you get to the end of it is um, just tell us about that journey there about focusing on just sort of the everyday person and the importance of that. Yeah. Well, you know what I noticed, Doc, is that everybody coming to me, they, it, was, it wasn't the bodybuilders. It wasn't the people who were at that, you know, let's call them like that 1%. It was the average, you know, American, just like you and I, who was really struggling with being overweight and then having the, the, the other things that come along with, you know, being overweight, you know, you're the diseases that come with it and the, you know, the arthritis and the, the things that, that prohibit them from living the life that they want. And so over the course of the last 20 years, which is, which is kind of how I got to where I am today, where I really focus on the, the mental aspect of, you know, fitness and nutrition more so than, than just the eat this, don't eat that, and do this exercise, don't do that one is because I was blown away and I'm always overwhelmed at the statistics. I just saw one the other day that says over 100 million Americans are either pre-diabetic or already have type 2 diabetes, which is one-third of our population, which is absolutely mind-blowing. And I watched these clients come to me day after day, week after week, year after year, and they all said the same thing. Jay, I've tried conventional diet A, conventional you know, diet B, you know, without naming any names, you know, the ones you see on television that they hire all the actors and actresses and celebrities to endorse. They said, I've tried those year after year and over and over and over, and I'm, I lose a little bit of weight, but then I gain it all back. And so I realized mm-hmm. that, there, that there was a problem, right, that the system itself is, is broken. And if we keep just handing people, and I don't even like to use the D word, the diet word, if we keep handing people diets and keep creating these diets per se, and we don't teach them how to live just a really overall global healthy lifestyle, we're going to be in a really, really bad situation really quickly. 
Well, we're and Jay, I would uh, argue we're already there, you I know, agree. with uh, the diabetic. And then, of course, now, you know, my father-in-law passed away from dementia in the early beginning of this year. Is that we're now talking about that disease really being type three diabetes or insulin resistance? So when we think about this, uh, Jay, is you use the word the overweight mind. What, what does that mean? I mean, yes, there's lots of different options, and we'll talk about specific strategies here a little bit later in the show, but what do you mean by the overweight mind? Yeah, what, what I've found in just working with clients, like I said, for over the last 20 to 25 years is that it wasn't that they didn't understand that the foods they were eating weren't good, and it wasn't that they didn't understand that the sedentary lifestyle that they, that they have wasn't good. They know those things are bad, it was the fact that they would go into these these diets again, only changing the mechanical aspects of the diet, meaning they would stop eating this food, they would start eating that food, the diet would end in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever it was, and then they would always go back to doing the very same things that they did before they started the diet in the first place. And so the reasoning behind that is because they never changed anything from the, the mental side of why they were going to change. They never, they didn't upgrade their mind when they tried to upgrade their food choices. And so when adversity hits, and it always does, people always fall back to their highest level of like training, if you will, and nobody's really working on their mental side or their mindset when it comes to why am I eating these foods in the first place? Like why am I, you know, eating bags of potato chips or copious amounts of cookies or things of that. And so that's really what I focus on is the mental game of weight loss and, and longevity. Well, let's go into that, Jay, and I think that's very yeah. important for all the listeners here is that I suspect that most of us don't get up in the morning to uh, be addicted to in, you know, foods that are not good for us, you know, the, the carb loads that we have out there. So uh, yeah. let's just pretend that I am your new client. What is it that you sort of start to work with me and the listeners here to start shifting or, first of all, understanding my mindset and then to shift it? What, what, just take us through those steps. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, when I, get, when I first get a client, I start to, you know, everybody comes in and they say the same systematic, you know, approaches. Like they use the words can't, they use the words don't. They always have all these, these trigger words that lead them into a negative mindset. And I always say, like, nobody is obese or nobody is overweight just because they love cookies. Like, you know, cookies are, everybody loves cookies, right? And just like you said, we don't get up in the morning to make that decision to overeat or, you know, eat things that, that aren't good for us. So what I do is I get, my first step is to get the client to become really mindful about the decisions that they're making. And so I use a journaling system, so I make them immediately begin to journal about what it is exactly that they want to achieve so that they can put pen to paper and they can see and visualize exactly what it is of where they want to go and not just have these, you know, superficial conversations about like I'd like to lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 100 pounds, if you will. I've got to get them into a systematic approach of doing things differently from the mental side before we can even hope to have success, you know, on the physical side. So my theory is this. I teach 80% mindset and 20% mechanics, meaning 80% of my coaching is going to be designated and designed to change the person's mindset. 20% will be to change their eating habits, their workout habits, their physical body. And so I get, them, I get them to do three things right off the bat. And this seems really simplistic, but it's the most 
simple and, and easiest thing that they can do. From the moment they meet me, the next day they get up and do three things. And I call it the Thrive Three. They get up and immediately write down three things that they're thankful and grateful for. They get up and write down three action steps that they'll take that day that are tangible, that moves them closer to the goal that they say that they want. Let's just call it 20 pounds weight loss. And then they get incorporate three people in their life that they can encourage as a piece of the puzzle. And the reason I do those three things is it's impossible to have a negative mindset if you're grateful. If you have three action steps that you're going to complete at the end of every day that are actually tangible things and not these global, you know, nobody's going to say I'm going to run a marathon today. It might be I'm going to run around the block twice today. And the third one is anytime that you are encouraging of others and you bring other people into the picture with you, your likelihood of success is vastly improved. Mm. So let me just kind of affirm what you're doing there and the research. And this was, I'm not even sure if you're aware of it, but there was just a new study came out last month, Jay, that affirmed that gratefulness had more impact than antidepressants to changing the mindset of the individuals. So, so obviously that is there. I mean, how many else other people are teaching gratefulness as part of their weight loss program? When yeah. do you think about these actionable steps, and you talked about walking around the, the, the block, what would be mm-hmm. some examples of actionable steps that a person would put into their journal as part of this process you're working with? Give us some examples that they might put in there. 100%. And just so everybody's clear, uh, there, you know, when somebody comes to work with me, we definitely cover the, you know, they get the full eat this, don't eat that. They get all of the nutritional pieces. I'm not just telling them, hey, be thankful and everything will be okay. But, you know, it's, I, I do feel like it's probably the most important and missing piece of the puzzle. So the action steps that I get them to do, and I'm a big believer in when you write things down, it makes them more relevant. It makes them more, you know, present in, in the human brain. And we have a tendency to, to do those things with greater um, passion than if we just think about things like, oh, today I might go do this. So I call them their must, and so I get them to write down must, and so it's things that they must do for the day. So it could be as simple as most people, when they come into a program like this, they don't have a a plan of action at all. So one of the simple things I would get them to do is to write down the meals that they're going to eat that day. So I'm a big believer in planning things out, so I find that if if I don't get my clients to go ahead and game plan, what am I going to have for breakfast? What am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to have for dinner? And if I'm going to have two snacks, what are they going to be? The likelihood of them staying on program and staying on pace is, is slim to none. So one of the action steps is usually something that they're going to consume that day for lunch. And I get them to go ahead and plan that out in their brain. And you'll find that people stick to that more often than not. Okay. So that's really important to be able to kind of implement it in all the research, again, at our end is, you know, working with psychology is that once you write it out, it is real. And in fact, if you articulate it and speak it out loud, it even anchors it at another level. So if we go to this last step, uh, what do you mean by, okay, connect with three people? Give us some examples of how that step unfolds. Yeah, so it's really, you know, it's, it's super simplistic. It's really a, a I call it three words of encouragement. So it's basically encouraging others to be their best self for the day. So when we surround ourselves, I have a theory that I call that your circle of success. So it's, it's 
kind of the premise of the old Jim Rohn quote, you're the, you know, you're as successful as the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And so what I get my clients to understand is that in order to, in order to better yourself, you need to bring others with you. Like we don't get anywhere in life on our own. And so I'm a big believer that your circle of success will be one of the big differentiators on how successful you are with anything that you choose to do in life. And so I get them to bring people into the practice of the thankfuls and the gratefuls and the things of that nature with the, you know, with them. And that anchors the process that anchors the new changes that we're getting that anchors the mindfulness that we're getting them to, you know, be a part of. So most people, what they do is they isolate when people are in a state of, let's call it depression or anxiety or not being, not living as their best self, you'll find that they tend to isolate themselves. And so I try to get people to break out of that isolative nature by encouraging others and bringing others into the journey with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, these individuals don't have to be necessarily uh, wanting to lose weight either. It can no. be something else they're working on, right? Absolutely. I'm a big believer in this. I, I find that when, when my clients begin to live this, this new methodology or live as their best self, when they're thankful and grateful, when they're actionable, when they're purposeful, when they're mindful, when they help and encourage and bring others into the mix with them, I call that living as their best self. Everything else tends to take care of itself when, when we're vibrating and living at a really high level. Your relationships get better. Your work gets better. Your life is a, is a global, you know, it globally just gets better and just improves. And so, no, they don't, the people in your circle of success don't have to be on a weight loss quest like you, but we should be surrounding ourselves with people who want to better themselves, with people who are wanting to elevate their level of performance in all aspects of their life. And by the way, Jim Rohn was one of my favorites. I met him in person oh, so uh, cool. many, many years ago, and of course he's passed away now, but uh, just wisdom as far as encouraging others, connecting with others, and you're right, is that our life reflects sort of our five closest friends or relationships that we have. So that's really important. It's interesting, too, you know, as I, as you're suggesting to listeners, is that they give to others, and you actually receive back. You feel better as you support and encourage these other individuals. So I I see what you're doing here. It's very brilliant. Yeah, and and it works. Like, and you know, I, I do it myself. Like, I'm a big proponent. Like, I never get anybody to do anything in life that I'm not currently doing myself, so I'm very congruent with my teachings. So everything I ask my clients to do, I do, and you wouldn't believe. So every day I at least send three people. It could be random people, maybe a text message, a phone call, a written note or whatever, and you're right. The things that you get back are unbelievable. Sometimes it's, you know, as simple as me sending somebody a note that says, hey, I hope you have an amazing day today. I just wanted to let you know I was thinking about you. I'll get a 10-page, you know, text message back that says, that small note you sent me changed my entire day. I was having the worst mm-hmm. week. That turned my day around, and I just want to say thank you. And it's, so it's unbelievable. You don't know what someone else is going through, and if you can make their life better, it, it's, it's tenfold going to make your life better. Well, I can't affirm that enough, uh, Jay. Sorry, here's a personal story to interrupt our interview, but I, I, I was it. in a retail environment just a couple of weeks ago. I said, I, she says, I know you. And she says, Ken, you did a presentation or a workshop for us 25 years ago. 
And I just want you to know that that workshop changed my life, and I still think about it today. So you never know when you're reaching out, as Jay is suggesting to you, what the impact is going to be. But for the most part, it's going to be very, very positive. So with that, and I I anchor my mindfulness, and of course mindfulness is the number one trend in coaching right now. If we're to shift, Jay, let's just get into some practical items when we're thinking about nutrition. If I had 12 nutritionists on the phone right now, I'd probably have 13 different opinions about how to eat. Uh, And I say that sort of jokingly. But what are sort of the core principles or practical things about movement and uh, what I consume and and how I consume it? What are you recommending to your clients on this 20 or 30% of your program? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is is just as important as uh, I don't want your listeners to think that I'm, you know, that we're just talking woo-woo here and we're going to, you know, we're going to grateful ourselves into better health. So I, I do believe the nutrition piece is, is vastly important because as a, as a world, we're not doing the right thing. So what I'm a big believer in, Doc, is controlling your blood sugar. And so I believe that sugar is the most addictive substance on the planet. And mm-hmm. so one of, the, one of the things that I get my clients to do immediately is I get them to break this sugar addiction that, I mean, I would say I'd say 100%, but for the you know for the purposes of the outliers, I'll say 99% of my clients come to me are you know drastically addicted to sugar. So the first thing I do is get them to to break that sugar cycle, and we do a thing is we try to keep our net carbohydrate values under 50 grams of net carbs per day. And what I've found is if I can get my clients to be mindful, and it's really the only nutritional metric that we track. So I try to get them to stay under a certain, you know, caloric intake value. Depending on who they are, it could be anywhere from 1,800 to 1,200 calories, depending on what we're dealing with. But the real metric that I take a look at is their carbohydrate intake because I believe, you know, carbohydrate intoxication, if you will, is kind of the the nemesis that is causing, you know, 90% or more of our health-related issues that most people are facing. So... Once I get them to get involved in that, start tracking their carbohydrates, their net carbs for the day, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. And I don't know if you want me to tell them or you want to tell them like how the, you know, the net carb thing or, or how that works. No, you go for it. Uh, okay. I can explain it, but uh, you're the guest, <laughs> so you just fire away, Jay. All right, very cool. So really it's as simple as, as taking that, that total carbohydrate number to the, uh, for the day and subtracting your fiber from it and if the person is eating anything like a, you know, a protein bar that might have some sugar alcohol in it, you would subtract that as well, and that would give your net carbohydrate number for the day. So really what we're trying to do by keeping that number below 50 is to keep that person out of glycation. And so by doing that and keeping that blood sugar balanced, I'm seeing clients have massive success really quickly with their weight loss, with their energy, with better sleep, with you know, heightened immunity, and I'm, and I'm judging that immune system elevation by most of my clients come to me, they're, they're six, three to six times a year, and those things are going away. Their gastrointestinal inflammation is going away. Their bathroom habits are improving, and it's really all predicated on keeping that net carbohydrate number down. I'm also a fan of the elimination of dairy. So my clients are pulled off of dairy immediately, they're pulled off of gluten immediately. They're pulled off of soy immediately. 
and are anything artificial. So all artificial flavorings, sweeteners, chemicals, you name it. So those are kind of my strongholds on nutrition. I don't believe in deprivation, so I don't tell my clients you can't have a glass of wine, you can't have this. I just try to get them to be very mindful, and if they're going to have the things like a, a glass of wine or something of that nature, it has to fit in inside of the parameters of their caloric intake for the day and their net carbohydrate number. Well, if they have one glass of wine, they pretty well are going to consume all their carbohydrates yeah. with one well, glass. Absolutely. But, and so, but I think I'm a big believer in saying if you tell someone they can't have something, what are they going to do? They're going to do it. They're okay. going to do it. Yeah, so it's really more about the mindful nature of that, right? And, and I want them to see after they do consume that glass of wine, how does that affect my net carbohydrate number for the day? And by tracking that and them showing me those numbers, then they can visually see, okay, now I, I see I, was used, I used to have three and four glasses of wine a day. I can see why I was negatively impacting my health. Mm-hmm. So, it's really so when we think tool. about this, I want to delve into this for a few minutes, Jay, because I yeah. think it's important for the listeners to have some kind of practical steps here. Okay. You know, mo- most of us on some level or another, if, unless we've done this, we are addicted to carbohydrates and that's why we crave we have these cravings so how do you get me to transition from cravings into this um, i don't know the if the listeners really understand how few 50 carbs are right 50 grams is you know that you have a slice of bread you're done so uh how do you transition me from this addiction which i've kind of entrenched into this freedom side what take me through a, a program that you would help me to move into this? And then what would I be eating so that I don't go over this 50, 50 grams? Okay, absolutely. And so I'm a, big, I'm a big believer on the educational aspect of it. Like I don't believe in just saying, hey, do this because I said so. So I spend a lot of time teaching my clients what the carbohydrate itself is doing on the inside of the body. And so I always use an analogy that sugar activates the same receptor sites in the brain, the same reward receptors, the same dopamine receptors as cocaine or morphine. And so I always use the analogy of, you know, children at a birthday party. And if we're talking about from the receptors, you know, the receptor site activation and the addictive properties of sugar, like there's no parent in the world that would ever give their, their kid cocaine or morphine. And there's no parent in the world that would ever, you know, eat a piece of, you know what I mean, use those drugs in open spaces like we use, you know, sugar on a daily basis. So I, I paint really, you know, I, I don't I always use, um, I guess you call it a big fish story. So I like to use big examples like that to make a point so that when people start to associate that piece of bread with the same activation inside of their body as if they were to use a, a, an illegal drug, it tends to give them a mindfulness that of what they're about to do to themselves. And so the things that they eat instead are, I mean, you can eat, it's really hard to go into carbohydrate intoxication with kale and green beans and salads and any green leafy vegetable on the planet. So they can eat as much of those green leafy vegetables as they, as they would love to. Really the only things that we're avoiding are the processed foods that come in a box, which none of us should be eating, and we're avoiding things that are causing gastrointestinal inflammation like 
the breads, the pastas, the things of that nature. And then from a starchy perspective, I try to get them to really be mindful of their you know, potatoes and other things that are going to elicit that same blood sugar spike that, you know, a piece, uh, that sugar would. So there's really no restrictive nature on anything vegetable-wise that they could be eating. They can eat copious amounts of vegetables. It's just we're programmed as a society. Most of us are eating out of boxes and bags as opposed to eating real food. So the, the onus is really on real food consumption as opposed to the processed foods. Absolutely. And interesting, Jay, you know, even our society in growing up, and of course my background is actually in you know, a dairy farmer, is, so I won't take the dairy as an offense, is, <laughs> is our, our whole mindset for kids is, well, let's go out and have a treat. What's right. the treat? The treat's an ice cream cone, right? right? So Or a cake or cookies or something like that. So really the treat mindset that we have, well, we're going to give you something special. No, 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 I'm giving you cocaine. If you, you know, if you think Absolutely. about it that way, yeah. I am uh, killing my kids right. by, quote, unquote, having this treat mindset uh, or you know, things like chips. And by the way, you know, potato chips are meant to be addictive. <laughs> They're designed, they are. designed that are. way. Now, when you think about um, sort of frequency, I'm kind of curious about your your methodology there. There are some people that are now into fasting or, or mm-hmm. intermittent fasting. There's some people that sure. are into frequency. Where do you fit into that? Um, I'm, I, I'll use myself as a guinea pig for anything before I'll try, you know, with my clients. So I don't, I don't prescribe. I've done intermittent fasting myself. I've seen success with it. Um, I have psoriatic arthritis. And so I did it from the, the concept of it's supposed to decrease your inflama- inflammatory levels, like your C-reactive protein levels. So right. I, I actually did it for an entire year to see if my CRP numbers would come down, and they actually did. I, I got better CRP scores after intermittent fasting. I don't prescribe it to my clients on a global basis. Um, if someone wants to work with me on a one-off and, and I feel like that they're because let's be honest, like if, if you're going to intermittent fast and do it appropriately and properly, it's not something that you can just do, you know, this, I don't believe it's something that you can do like, you know, one day here and then the next day you eat whatever you want, then one day here. Like I believe in like systematic approaches um, and, you know, rituals and habits. So I don't prescribe mm-hmm. it to my clients. And for me, 90% of my clients are female. And a lot of the data that I've, that I've read and researched shows that the, the intermittent fasting and the long-term fasting can have a negative impact on the female's hormone system. And so I just don't have enough data where I feel comfortable prescribing that globally. So with that, then how do you prescribe? Are you prescribing that people need to eat every three hours, uh, frequency? Yeah, what what, yeah, what, so what would you teach me? So what we do is the first thing we do as soon as our feet hit the floor is we have a 30-gram protein shake. It's already made in the fridge. It can be made with either just water or um, non-sweetened or unsweetened almond milk. And so, and, and I want to make a, be very clear on the, the protein powder that we use. So I'm anti-dairy from a, um, from a conventional standpoint of, factory farms and things of that nature, and most of your protein powders are going to come from, without getting into like a, a cattle de- debate here, you know, there's A1 beta caseins and A2 beta caseins and grass-fed cattle versus factory farm cattle and all of that. So 
The only protein that I prescribe or uh, I get my clients to use is from grass-fed whey. Um, the cows are never you know, treated with hormones, antibiotics. It's a very clean product. There's no artificials. There's no anything, and it's about four ingredients. So we start our day every day with a 30-gram protein shake, and then we move forward with breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks. And so inside of that, that and I call them feedings. I don't really think breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think, because most people think breakfast, they think cereals and bagels and donuts. And I always tell my clients that the reason that you associate those foods with breakfast is because that's what the, that's what big marketing and big companies have, have shoved down our throats since we were little kids, is that when you get up in the morning, you eat Lucky Charms. And really, food is food, and we should be consuming real food throughout the day. So if you'd like to have, you know, a salad for breakfast, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm totally cool with that. So it's really about the, the five, I call them feedings per day, and we usually base that around a two- to three-hour window. Okay. And, and the reason I do that, if I can just elaborate a little bit more, Doc, is that most clients come to me and they'll say, Jay, well, I really don't eat that much. And so what they'll do is they'll usually have, these are clients that get you know, fresh, fresh through the door, they'll say, well, I have a breakfast, and that breakfast will generally be some form of, you know, Starbucks latte that's, you know, got 75 grams of sugar and whipped cream and all kind of stuff, a bagel, a donut, a bowl of cereal, some yogurt. All of the above are pretty much just sugar, heavy carbohydrates. So they're starting their day with a giant blood sugar explosion that they're going to be chasing for the rest of the day, and then they don't eat again until dinner. So what they've essentially done is, in my book, is it's damaged their metabolism. Their body is doesn't trust them anymore. They have a really poor relationship. It's like an abusive relationship. And so anytime they eat, their body holds on to everything for dear life because it doesn't know when it's going to get fed again, how it's going to get fed. And so they create a really poor system. So my, my theory and my methodology is to get them to keep a balanced blood sugar all day by consuming good foods in small quantities throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And so that three-hour window is pretty common through different sources of others that disagree, but as I mentioned, uh, there are different theories that are out there. But it makes sense that, okay, what I want to do is make sure that my metabolic rate isn't messed up by my infrequency or irregularity, if I could say that word fast, uh, there. So, okay, well, that's great. And then what, what would you recommend that I'm eating for lunches and dinners then? You mean like the, the types of foods I would eat? Yes. Absolutely. So I am a proponent of, so with that, with that 50 grams of net carb number that we're, we're really trying to achieve, I'm probably, I don't like to, to use the, the ketogenic word, if you will, because I think it's really hard for someone to stay in ketosis for long periods of time, especially the average human being who has a, a nine-to-five job, 3.5 kids, carpool, the whole nine yards. So really, you know, I'm a proponent of really healthy fats, um, clean, smart carbohydrates, which would be, like I mentioned earlier, your green leafy vegetables, um, you know, any vegetables that aren't of the starchy nature, and then any forms of really high-quality protein. And so the things that would fall into my categories would be um, wild-caught fish of, of any kind, grass-fed beef of any kind, so grass-fed, grass-finished. And so I really try to educate my clients on 
the the difference between factory farmed, you know, mm-hmm. meats and things of that nature versus grass fed, grass finished, the whole nine yards. So just really high quality sources of protein, fish, chicken, beef, and I teach them where and how and how to read labels and the whole nine yards. So we're consuming really high quality proteins, really high quality fats, and then smart carbohydrates. So there's really nothing that's off limits that, that falls in with those parameters once you eliminate, you know, the gluten and the soy, the artificials, and the dairy. Okay, great. Now, what if I happen to be a vegan or a vegetarian and I'm listening to this? Where Absolutely. do you suggest I get those uh, proteins from? Am I moving to kale or what? You know, I don't have a lot of, of vegan or vegetarians in, inside of my realm just because they'll, once they get inside of my system, they find that that's, it's not my area of expertise. So what I generally do is I try to educate anyone that comes to me who is a vegetarian or vegan about the best sources that I'm aware of. And so, you know, I really, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of, of no soy. I don't believe human beings should be ingesting genetically modified soy. And so I try to educate them on trying to find other sources for their protein and not going with just conventional, you know, box, vegetarian-labeled, vegan-labeled products. And I generally would get them involved with, I would get them in touch with someone that I trust inside of the industry that is a vegetarian, is a vegan, that could lead them down a better path. Okay, well, great, great. Well, thank you all of the, for that, Jay. Yeah. And you've uh, schooled us, so that's great. So to, to wrap up our show today, I just want to spend a few minutes, and then we'll also give them a chance to figure out how to, or how to find you, is what are some uh, movement in fitness things? Let's just think that uh, the people that are listening here are not, not athletic, but uh, what's sort of the minimum kind of movement to stay flexible, to stay fit that you are recommending to your clients, and how do I do it? Absolutely. So I'm a big believer, like I said earlier, like I'm, you know, as a 43 now, I believe in longevity. So I think first and foremost, you've got to find something that you enjoy doing. If it's, it's kind of like the deprivation piece. If you hate doing something, you're going to eventually stop doing it. So mm-hmm. find something that you love. There's, a, there's so many different varieties of exercise these days from small group classes to one-on-ones to Pilates to yoga to fusions of all of those different things. So my, my central piece when I'm talking to someone that doesn't get to work out in, in my private studio that maybe they live you know, across the country, is I try to get them to break a sweat or get their heart rate elevated at least four to five times a week. And that doesn't have to be for long periods of time. I think most people have this perception that I've got to go do something for at least an hour or I just might as well not do anything at all. I've got clients that are super busy, really involved lives that are breaking a sweat for 20 to 30 minutes maximum, four and five days a week, and they're having massive success. So I don't want people to think that if you can't go do something for an hour that it's not worth doing. I've got workouts in my system that are 15 minutes. So I think anything, anytime you can get your heart rate elevated, that's really what I'm a big fan of. I'm also a big fan of using your own body as the tool. Like some people will walk into my studio and they'll say, well, where's, where's all the equipment? And I'll always say, well, I'm staring at it. And they, they kind of are taken back for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then you, people need to learn that we are the most, the human body is the, the most well-crafted machine ever, you know, conceptualized. 
and we just need to learn to use our bodies more, to use our own body. So I, we do a lot of body weight movement. I'm a big believer in what I, I guess you'd call it high-intensity interval training, which would yes. mean I like, I like to get the heart rate elevated, and then I like to slow it down with more of a, a controlled movement, get the heart rate elevated, more of a controlled movement. And that could be as something as simple as using a jumping jack, which is very you know, simplistic and almost childlike, if you will, um, and an air squat or a push-up of some sort. This even, could even be modified. If somebody doesn't have a lot of upper body strength, they could start out on their knees and do push-ups with jumping jacks. It's something that simple. Like we don't need all these contraptions and you know, machines and things of that nature to be fit. The, the older I've gotten, the less machines I use and the more fit that I've ever been in my entire life. Well, if we go back to the days of the program Insanity and then at, uh, uh, Mr. Horton's work, right, most yeah. of that is people are moving towards high-intensity workouts, right? Yeah, uh, Tabata absolutely. and other ones like that. Uh, and so when you think about getting your heart rate over, is there a target rate? That, are you talking 65, 80%? What do you, what's your target rate for that heartbeat for us? This is going to sound absolutely crazy. I, my answer to you and my answer to a client would be, I don't care. My, I think there's so many metrics that in today's society, everybody wants that watch that tells them exactly where they are, exactly how many steps they've done, exactly how much, where their heart rate is. I think that when you uh, – my, my theory is this. The confused mind says no. And so when a client gets in that metric of thinking, I've got to get my heart rate at this one number, and if I don't, I'm not in this number, it's not beneficial, it's not helping me anymore. So I don't even get into that level of, of tracking with heart rates and things of that nature you know when your heart rate's elevated. And if you're someone who's 300 pounds, who who's, hasn't moved in a very, very long time, it's not going to take much to get your heart rate elevated. Mm -hmm. I would suggest this. Move your body in a fashion that makes you a little bit uncomfortable every day and get outside of that comfort zone a little bit more every time. And you'll get your heart rate where it needs to be and you'll get your body doing the things it needs to be doing without having to have an abacus or that special watch or that special anything, just start moving. You'll know when your body starts to perspire and your heart rate gets up and you get that feeling in your skin, like you'll know where you're at. You'll know where you're supposed to be. Well, that's great. And, you know, that's also just common sense. And I appreciate your statement. Uh, the confused mind <laughs> doesn't Absolutely. do anything or says no. It, it has to be simple. It has to be doable and has to be approachable. So uh, I'm going to ask you sort of some closing questions here in a moment, Jay. But um, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, you have your uh, center in California, so that's where you're located. But uh, if they want to find out more about your book or your studio, how might they find that out? Absolutely. So the, the book is really easy to find. It's just theoverweightmind.com, and that's available in all of your forms, the, the hard copy, the Kindles, the, all the readers. I just recorded the audio version yesterday, so that will be soon, available very soon. And then if you'd like to find out more about um, my programs or anything that I do, you can just go to Nixon, N-I-X-O-N, Elite, E-L-I-T-E, dot com. And that's my website, and you can find any and everything about me on that. I'm on all the social media platforms at Jay Nixon, and you'll be able to, you know, find me and use me as a resource. Well, you know, it's uh, and Jay, real, uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. If if you were to leave 
uh, our listeners with just a couple of like your highest level of wisdom about people taking care of themselves and the need to do it and the steps to get going, what would you share as sort of closing remarks for the people listening today? Absolutely. And th- something that I think about, talk about, and, and live on a daily basis is I, my goal is to get people to understand that first and foremost, they're worth it and they deserve it. I'd like to see people have a lot less um, negative self-talk I'd like to see people start believing in themselves more. And I think that all revolves around that mindset piece of just being grateful and thankful. If you'll start to do those things on a daily basis, like really get knee deep into the things in your life that you have to be grateful and thankful for, I think you'll start to see everything in your life begin to change and and make that a system. You can't just do it one day. You've got to get up and do that continually day in and day out, and your life will improve. Absolutely. Well, Jay, thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you, Dr. Hughes. I enjoyed it. Well, listeners, uh, take Jay's advice and do something about it. And what he's talked about, you are, you are worthy. You are worth it. And the other question for you as you listen to this is why would you bother? What, what's in it for you? If your health was to be better, what would you do differently? What could you participate in? And what really motivated me years ago was I couldn't do anything with my kids and then I had to lose the weight and get back into shape. And as we always say at the end of the show, thank you again for listening. You have shared with us your most valuable commodity, which is time. So uh, share the link. Have other friends uh, listen to this. uh, Leave some positive comments uh, as you feel willing. And as always, we say thank you for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the Secrets of Success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.